folks, and we're back with another electrifying edition of Inspire AD. I am joined by Justin Bissonette. We are the owners and CEOs of Inspire Pro. Yeah. Now newly minted as Inspire AD. We we basically we basically like with the podcast. Yeah, yeah. we we uh, we faked our death and cashed in <laughs> a life insurance policy. And there's going to be a supercar coming yeah. to you near. Coming to you soon. No, that's a lie. Yeah, we got two Snickers and. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and <clears throat> this particular episode kicks off what I like to call the Red Oak Ballroom Saga. Uh, and our first event at the Red Oak Ballroom was a pretty phenomenal event that I like to call Forever. Of course, named after the Terry Funk ECW promo. I don't know if that's why we called it that. No, that's not it at all. No. Um, I think that, that is was, an awesome promo, though. Like, um, you wouldn't let me call the show... We, are, the, we are the best. We are the best. Yeah. And so I just was like, okay, well, I'm just going to call it forever then. Which, you know... Which was kind of the same sediment, right? Yeah. I, I, I even wanted to call it Inspire Pro Forever, which you wouldn't let me do. That would have been cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I was a butt at this time. A yeah, bit. yeah, a little bit. Um. This is I, this is when the this is when the cracks yeah. between you and I really start to show, and um, at some point uh, we're gonna get into some really. No, I'm kidding. Yes, There's this no is dark. where we the, the epic parking lot fist fight. No, that everyone has uh, but, all the dirt sheets talking about. No. But there was actually almost a fight that occurred at this show behind the scenes, <laughs> and we will get to that in a little bit. Yeah. But first, we really need to talk about our exit from what what we consider to be our home, the Marquesa yeah. the Marquesa Hall and Theater. Yeah, we basically left kind of hanging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did not know what we were going to do. We were we were broken over their knee. Yeah, uh, very very much out of left. We did not know uh, that they were that. Basically, Marquesa Hall Theater was owned by a woman by the name of uh, Deb McGill. Deb is a local legend, phenomenal promoter who's been a part of many many shows. She owns the parlor, the pizza, the the, the pizza institution, if you will. Uh, now with a location off uh, Guadalupe, phenomenal place, run by phenomenal people, and her children, along with a guy by the name of uh, Raven Raleigh, actually often worked the bar yeah. at Marquesa when we would run shows. And what apparently happened was the Marquesa was sold out from under Deb to AFS, and she was left out in the rain, and we were left with her. Yeah. So the thing was is that. They were going. They when when they sold it to AFS, AFS went in and re-renovated everything, and that kept it off the plate for about a year, yeah. I believe. Can, can we address a very small thing that is a big thing for our fans? Sure. Yeah, uh, people may not know. You may have heard or may not know. Um, Deb owned the stage that was in that hall. Oh, yeah. So yes. a lot of people at, will ask, you know, what happened? What happened to the stage? Why don't you use the stage anymore? Well, it it was not didn't belong to the building, right? Yeah, so, you mean you mean when we came back? Yeah, that's that's a tale for another. It's time. a long time. Yeah, but you're, yeah. you're getting ahead of yourself. Yeah. This pump the fucking I, brakes, hey, brother. I, mean, I I know the people want to know this this type of yeah, juicy yeah, details, I know, but they don't. You know what? Spoilers, dickhead. Uh, they don't even know we go back to the building at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Okay. If we ever go back. If, if we, we ever go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, at this point, we've also we've also had a new member join our our. Uh, Trifecta of ownership. Yeah. TJ McLoon. Yeah. And and 
I th- I think this period is where kind of he we brought him up to that level. At first, it like like we talked about last show was just to come in and find the sponsors, which no one has ever been able to no consistently do for us. <laughs> no, but but TJ has a sports background yeah. in in radio, I believe. Uh, he had no, he had worked uh, in the tickets office for the Pirates, and then he had also worked for the Texas Wranglers. Didn't he do something with a podcast for a little while? Oh yeah, I mean yeah, he did uh, social media for a sports podcast. Yeah. Uh, he's worked on Texas high school football. Got the numbers media. way up for their social media, yes, I believe. Yes. So yeah, that that was kind of his. Why didn't we have him running our social, man? We I don't fucked, know. I I didn't know. I didn't know about that aspect of his career until I think it T- was too late. TJ was weirdly coy, you know. Yeah. Um. So it took us a while to really figure out all the tools that he had, you know. Um. So. Um, yeah, like he came to us with the, you know, the marketing side of things, because like, if you look at our show, I mean, not to humble brag, but like we have consistent, fairly large crowds, you know, around 300 people a show on a consistent basis. (laughs) Like, um, we are a marketing dream. We just can't seem to find consistent sponsors. We have a seed. And yeah. we're just constantly looking for someone to nurture it, yeah. help it grow. Um, but anyway, but yeah. uh, so TJ was a part of a, I think, junior hockey league that ran out of the North Cross uh, ice skating rink, which is one of the few ice skating rinks uh, in the state. And attached to it was the Red Oak Ballroom. And since TJ was familiar with the management of the building, he pitched Red Oak. And I remember we had kind of a special moment that I think you've, you've mentioned where we went to go walk through the building and I had my children with me, or actually my, just my child, because yeah. Scott wasn't here yet. Yeah. And uh, there, was a, there was a moment where basically Fox was just running through the ballroom. Um, and you, I remember you said one time that that was like one of your favorite memories of Inspire Memories. Yeah, it, I mean, it really felt it felt like we had found a new home. <clears throat> yeah, um, I think it's it's important to mention the ownership that day, right? Management. Management. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Management of the the hall that day uh, was was someone that was from Philadelphia. Was and, huge ECW yeah. fan. Yeah, and was really behind things. Um, so it really felt like, oh my god, this is such a, a good fit. Yeah, he was giving us a reduced rate. Yep. <laughs> uh, the way that the bar would work, we thought would make would would work for us at the time. Yeah, it... The business of having a bar or concessions um, really does make what we do appealing to certain venues because the way that it should work is that we come in, we rent the building, the building keeps the bar, they get the rent. We keep the gate. We like to kind of keep it unmuddied. Yeah. You know. Um, and when we came in, the, this place typically operates as a wedding venue or does smaller conventions. We thought it might work for us because they typically set up concessions in a bar in the lobby. And they were going to basically just keep the bar. Yeah. And like we said at the time, the guy who was, who was managing the, uh, the space was really sympathetic to our cause and he loved the idea of this place being multifaceted catering to a wide variety of events so it made sense at the time 
Now, one thing that really also sold us on this venue was that there there was a backstage area and it had a bathroom that was private for for our wrestlers, which is something that we did not have at Marquesa. So it was a huge selling point. And there was a big room where the, the, the wrestlers could kind of hang out, get dressed. There were also other rooms that we could use for promo photos, or so we thought, yeah. uh, as well as shooting uh, vignettes. Um, there were a few, I think, catches that we were kind of concerned about, mainly the ceiling. <clears throat> yeah, there was a... It was just basically two beams down the middle, but they were... Yeah. If you moved the ring one way, you were going to be under one, and if you moved it the other, you were going to be under the other. Yeah. Um, and that, that was at the time. I think that was one the only major concern I had. Um, the bar structure seemed to be set up to where, um, the the prices we had to hit it the building itself would want to exceed those. And want to? Yeah. It was a chance for them to make a lot of money, um, just by you know, wrestling crowds drink, do. wrestling uh, crowds drink. If you have the right product there yeah. and you actually have people that can work a bar, yeah, you can make a lot of money <laughs> and we'll get into that. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I think at the time I was over the moon. Let's, I mean, let's take a, a step back here because I mean, this is the building we found that we liked. I mean, I went into a lot of these buildings just going like, okay, how do we make this work? Right. And this is kind of the yin and yang of me and Max that makes this work is that Max was, you had a very specific list of things that you wanted to make sure were right. Yeah. Like, um, we looked at, I'm not going to name the name of the building because obviously we're going to trash it the a little PA, bit. Here. The PA was built in. It was not a great PA. Yeah. But, but let's, let's talk about two, the other buildings we looked at. Yeah. Right. And not by, by name, of course, but there was, I'm just going to call it the Pflugerville building. And, uh, no, go ahead and name it. It doesn't. Oh, hand, handovers and and Flickerville we looked at and oh, handovers with the glass dicks hanging from yes. the fucking ceiling. Yeah, yeah. man. Okay, <clears throat> this is no no fault of TJ's. He was fairly optimistic, uh, and the the space though was just way small. It was just too small for yeah. us. Um, it would be would have been fun for like maybe a no 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 ring show. Something uh, like in that. Retrospect. But, yeah. but yeah, like when we walked in though, there was this weird art installation that hung over the dance floor <laughs> that looked like a bunch of glass dildos. Yeah. You know? But also the space was just limited. The bar numbers they were asking us to hit were ridiculous. Um, especially yeah. when you consider that when you put a ring into a building, <laughs> it's it, even less. It compromises how many people you can fit into <clears throat> the space. Um they also just acted like they were the hottest shit at the dance. Yeah, they just their so, attitude sucks. So for me, I go into these and I go, okay, how what what could we do to make it work? And Max is the voice of reason that goes, no, this isn't feasible. Um, I think the the I, I did like the idea there was like a going to be a rooftop like um, yeah locker room. I think it took you back to the ACW days a bit. Just that punk rock wrestling of, okay, yeah. here's this shitty bar. Let's fucking make a show work out of it, right? Yeah. Um, Except this was a place that was exceedingly fucking yeah, weak. It was not priced at a shitty bar level. No, and, it, and also the, the general vibe of it was like where probably like, a, I mean, it, this is going to sound horrible, but I'm pretty sure that, that there, there was probably a if you had to like say like what percentage of drinks that Rohypnol wound up in, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean it's you know it's probably pretty high. 
You know, the kind of place where military guys go uh, go to the weekend. They go to on the weekends and kind of get kicked out of. You know, yeah. it was that kind of it was that kind of vibe. It, it was very much uh, your MMA crowd type bar. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> lots of affliction. Tie back. Yeah, but anyway. yeah, and I can't think of uh, there was one or two other buildings we looked at, but you know, like so to get here, the, my point to take this long journey to get to it was that you know one Red Oak, the concerns that were left were minimal for me compared to what the other places Absolutely. Presented. And the price was right. Yeah. Um, TJ did a great job of kind of bargaining down. And uh, initially on paper, everything looked so sweet. Yeah. Um, but things don't always <laughs> pan out like you think they're going to. Not always what they appear. So, yeah. Is there anything else we're missing going into this? Um, this uh, extreme point of back completely on me uh this is also a point in time my, my grandmother passes away which yeah. is uh usually impactful to, to me personally changed my fa- family dynamic at the time uh so going through that right um which the break actually for me was fortunate because i don't know how i i would have been able to run shows during that time period yeah um yeah i i think that's it. oh no there's also um, something that pops up on Twitter just before yeah. uh, this. So there is a Twitter account called Wrestle Circus. Oh yeah. That yeah. pops up and this is before they've run a show and, um, it appears to us to be people playing fantasy wrestling at, at the start. But, but I, I mean, what I'm hearing though from, from the boys is that this is a fairly legitimate group of people that have financial backing and they're going to come and they're going to run these super mega shows. Yeah. And, uh, I think we were, I think at the time we were fairly concerned about yes. what was going on. Uh, of course I can also say that the people who, who ran wrestle circus were actually people that we, we would find out that we kind of knew they had yeah. been to a lot of our shows. Of course, yeah. uh, Al Linhart, uh, and and Lexi yeah. Linhart uh, at the time were were the proprietors of of this company. Uh, Jordan Lennox had been to some of our shows, had been familiar with the product. Who was Al's brother? Yeah. Uh, he he was of course a familiar face eventually to the Wrestle Circus crowd. Um, it's yeah, kind of hard to get into the nuts and bolts of how this really impacted us until we get into some it, later shows. Yeah, and, and I think we'll touch on this again. But yeah. at at this point, it's more you know, it's we it's the great unknown. Yeah, we don't know exactly who these people are <clears throat> um, at this point in time. Yeah, and um, you know, it's it's sort of you know, it, it literally looks like you know a a kid playing with his action figures, putting these shows together of like just these. Very dreamlike yeah. scenarios, yeah. and I think, um, I think for me, Biss, I think was really negative about it. This is my yeah, I took it personally. Yeah, I I think that Biss was angry about it. Um, I saw this as an opportunity to potentially work with people coming in if they would so have it, yeah. and I was excited, man. I was I was excited because to me they. Really, apparently, looked like they were going to be doing some stuff that was very spot show oriented. Yeah. Whereas what we do is very story based, and in much the same way that the club that I worked at was an incubator club that helped build smaller artists. Inspire Pro at the time was very much like that as well. We were an avenue where 
people could graduate up to and then move on. And, and I have no delusions of, of what we are at this point in time either. We're a small indie in Central Texas. All I can really say is that we put on incredible cards for the uh for, for for our resources yeah and they utilize the talent that's available to us which is phenomenal and um there you have it man yeah i think you know obviously financially i'm going okay how is this gonna affect us yeah <clears throat> right because fans only have so much to spend on wrestling you know <clears throat> um and then uh you know, is our is our talent pool going to evaporate? You know, um, those are the two major concerns I have. Um, and you know, we've—I mean, at this point, you know, I've put in coming up on ten years of, into wrestling to develop the local scene, right? Yeah. And this is somebody kind of popping up out of nowhere. Um, it kind of jars you, you know. So that that's definitely mentally where. So I was yeah, to start there's with. there's definitely some anxiety here because yeah. we don't we don't know what's going to happen, but yeah. we know that that it, a lot of people uh, behind the scenes are pretty excited about it. Um, there you have it. Yeah, we'll we'll touch on this again. Yeah, uh, going I believe, forward. and I think what's what's really funny though is that I think that Inspire Sunday, that first show that we ran. Uh, was when a lot of the media about Wrestle Circus started popping yeah. up. Like they started doing drops, and I think, I think Al was even there. He, yeah, he. W- I think he was at at that show, and then him and Lexi are at the next show for yeah, sure. Very, so. very prominently, you can see them on hard cam. Yeah, and I, I will say up front, I like, I liked Al and Lexi. Yeah, I really enjoyed having them around, and I really enjoyed their support. Uh, I don't think. I don't think they went about things in the best way all the time, but I think for the most part we were able to cooperate. We could help them out when when they needed. They could help us out when we needed, and there was a great deal of harmony between us, which yeah. I really loved having. Yeah, and, and I think that this weekend was definitely kind of like jarring and oh my god, who are these people? Mm-hmm. But I think when I sat back and I went, okay, when we started, we didn't have any friends, so let's not be that way. Yeah, right. And it was like okay, let's let's help out as much as we can, <clears throat> you know, cause you know, we did recognize that if this was a thing that they could actually pull off and, and do, it was going to be good for the fan base and our fans were going to benefit from being able to see these names. <clears throat> it's pretty shitty when you as a promoter, right? Go on and, and trash something that's doing something positive for y- your fans, your, your customers. So, um, that's kind of um, where we came came from. Number one, just just to give them a better experience of coming into the the business than we had uh, when we started up and being part of the community. Um, and then number two, that you know it, this was something good for our fans. So why take that joy away from them to enjoy these shows that are going on? Because you know, at least me myself, I'm a little insecure about it, right? Yeah. Anyway. So, we go into the building, day of the show. Show day's there. One other thing that was really exciting to me about uh, this particular venue was that it was in the heart of a part of Austin that I really love. I spend a lot of time in North Austin. I love this particular uh, area, which is uh, Burnett and, uh, and Anderson. Um, <clears throat> of course, Terra Toys is over there. You've got Dragon's Lair. You have... Uh, 
a host of great restaurants. Uh, there's just a lot of culture along Burnett, and I think this might have also been a point in time where TJ's eyes were open just a little bit regarding how difficult it can be to market this stuff because ideally what you want to do is you want to work with the businesses that surround you. I I think this might have also forgotten this, but I actually reached out to a business that wanted to do after parties for us at one yeah. point and they went they, 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 they went to the trouble of even setting it up and staffing it and then last minute just like told us to go kick rocks. Um, TJ, I know, reached out to School of Rock. He, yeah. reached, he reached out to various folks in the area and uh, Conan's Pizza, of course. And we were no-sold for the most part by the folks in the area who just did not give two fucks about what we were doing. But, you know, wrestling is a pariah, of course. Yeah. Uh, fast forward, though, to show day. I think the general response uh, from the talent was... Uh, one of excitement because yeah. they, they got there and they had this huge backstage area. They had their own bathroom. Everything was really sectioned off for them. The bar was set up in the lobby. Looked pretty good. I think once I saw the bartenders, I got a little nervous. <laughs> um, like Methuselah was behind the table. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, and there was like two of them. Yeah. And, and I was, I was, I was thinking, is this person gonna be able to keep up with the volume? Because like you can pop like two or three grand easy the hard way, just like popping Lone Stars. And then yeah. I saw the stock, yeah. And there was no, there was, there was no cheap beer option really. It was yeah. all fairly high, like Heineken and shit, which is not what our fans drink. So I was like immediately, that was like a red flag. I was like, okay. But I talked to the manager and said, I think you're gonna want to do Lone Star next time, man. You're going to want some cheaper options and lower options because they really had an incredible markup at that bar. And and on one hand, you think you're going to make more doing that. You're not going to move as much because people are going to drink less. Yeah. You know, because they can't, they can't afford more. Yeah. Um, anyway, I guess we kind of have to talk about a gentleman by the name of Joel Loshman at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you lead. I'll say. I'll say this. One of the things that really set us apart in terms of our identity was the fact that we had some great promo photos, and yeah. I can take nothing away from Loshman as a talent. He is a an incredibly talented photographer, and in my opinion, uh, was the best wrestling photographer at that point in time uh, in Texas. Yeah. Uh, and he and all of his promo shots that fed into our posters, they were proprietary, and he was a pitbull man yes. if you saw someone else using his work he would attack them and he was loyal he was fiercely loyal i think in retrospect um i feel bad about how what i'm about to relay went down but i also don't think he gave me much of an opportunity to fix it and yeah. the thing that i think bis will at least give me uh above all is that i am really good at rolling with punches and figuring out how to troubleshoot and fix things yeah um, I'll let I'll let this jump in here. Yeah, so uh, Joel Joel uh, came into one of the Anarchy shows and took some pictures, uh, but I think it was just like a one time thing, right? So he knew Rachel, he knew Jessica from that, and then um, when we started up, when Rachel was still involved with the company, um, he kind of came to one of our shows, uh, really enjoyed us, and then kind of started coming to every show, right? Um. And was the person that took all of our promo shots, like Max just said. Um, extremely talented photographer. 
And yeah, part of the um, part of the local Austin photography scene is that a thing? Um, and at this point, had had at the Marquesa had had his own hall basically to do whatever he wanted to do, right? Yeah, he so, had what 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 I guess I have to kind of like introduce is that Marquesa Hall used to be. Two movie theaters. Well, actually, no, three movie theaters. It had yeah. three three movie theaters. And when it became an event hall, they cleared out two of the theaters but kept one. One of the hall, the, the main hall was where we ran shows. Then there was the theater, but then there was this weird annex room that nobody really used. And so, yeah, Joel had this big yeah. room to just play with. Yeah. And uh, so now we are new building, right? And uh, this was something that we actually... We looked at we looked at the fact that we had we had three rooms in the back, uh, one for the dressing room, uh, basically two for the dressing room, and then this was going to be sort of Joel's room that we're we're talking about here. I I think I I admit to uh, a degree of ignorance when it comes to actually knowing what Joel may be required, but I also did try to get Joel to come up. He lived in Bastrop at the time, so yeah. it wasn't easy to always kind of have him come up and show up when you do a walkthrough. Lining up the lining up the components and the folks to do a walkthrough on a venue is sometimes a pain in the ass, you yeah. know, because you always get some weird irregular hour. Yeah. Like, I mean, me showing up with Fox was not ideal even, you know? Yeah. But I had to show up with this kid on my chest, you know, in a fucking Bjorn. I, and I, one of the <laughs> buildings he was at, I want to I say. He was at one of the buildings. But I forget. But he was not at, he was yeah. not at, at Red Oak initially. Yeah. So I admit, I kind of dropped the ball. I thought the media room that we set up would work, but he needed a higher ceiling. I I made a mistake in not asking him what he really required because um, I thought he could just make anything work. Yeah. Um, and I will say, this is where I'm probably going to say some shit that if he hears it, he'd probably, he'd probably like show up on my lawn and try to fight me. Um, I think he was a bit of a diva yeah. that day. And... He sh- he was just walking around very dissatisfied. He, he, and he was in an, a, some sort of mood that day. He was definitely in a mood. second he got there. Obviously, the biggest room went to the wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, because there are more of them, and obviously, the linchpin of the show is the fucking wrestling, okay? So, he was immediately taken aback and aghast that we had given this room to, uh, like the the hens he's like why the fuck why the fuck are they allowed to sprawl out in this room why are these 30 people allowed to sprawl out in this fucking huge room you know i am me i am you know i am a huge part yeah. of this presentation why you know and i i'm trying to get around and get into other parts of the building to see what else they offer i'm asking what's going on right like talking to the management cuz they have various rooms they have conference halls they have different things and i'm trying to dig around and look at stuff and also trying to find out if there's something maybe in the ice rink that might be there and at this time joel is just grumbling and pissed off and here's a funny thing one of the things that 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 red oak offered also was a nacho bar remember that <laughs> yes they'd always wheel in this they'd, they'd wheel, it's fucking absurd man they'd wheel in this fucking nacho bar into the room and they had two we had two nacho bars Joel, if he hadn't fucked up, would have had his own nacho bar. Yeah. But he fucked up anyway. No, so <clears throat> we're back. We're backstage, and I'm just trying to put out fires, as is common when you're putting on a show. You yeah. know, you don't just roll in and shit's easy. You gotta disseminate information. You have to make sure the ring is set up. 
at this point in time, there's also some shit going on where um, uh, TJ is, is sowing his wild oats creatively, and he has set up this thing where he, he has a fucking limo showing up with a submission <laughs> squad, right? But the limo thing, which is supposed to be a sponsorship deal, yeah. isn't really quite working out no. how we thought it would. No. But he wanted, basically, it would have added like a wrinkle. I, I love the spirit yeah. of it, but yeah. it was like he wanted the limo to pull up, and <laughs> I think it was the, was it Controversy? It, it was supposed to be... To be- I hate to detour, but let's because this story's funny as fuck. Okay, so it's supposed to be controversy pulling up in the limo, the you know, as the tag team champs, kind of like fucking horseman style. But Tim Storm is late to the show, right? So <laughs> Tim Storm can't ride with Davy Vega in the limo, so it's just Davy Vega and the submission squad jumps in. Yeah, because everyone, as everyone knows, like they're all from St. Louis. They're extremely close. Like if you have high spots network go check out the bestie show like all these guys are on there um fucking yeah so it's just the squad jumps in and it's supposed to pull up like as people are waiting in line to get in the building and um it just it doesn't go off quite like tj envisioned yeah anyway so um i'm stressed I'm not going to lie, you know, but the thing is, is that when I'm stressed, I don't, I don't just fold inward and, and cry yeah. and, and throw rocks at people and, 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 you know, get all live journaly on folks. I'm not, I'm not a fucking cutter. Okay. I'm not a goth princess. If I have a fucking problem, I step up to the plate and I nail it. I, I fucking slap it out of my face. That's what I do. And in fact, this is something that I've often routinely heard is that, I hold my shit together when things are not going right so that I can make them get back on track. So Joel is walking around, pouting, having his, you know, his Whitney Houston moment. You know, he's he's clearly upset that he didn't get the space he wanted. And I'm concerned about it. I'm not happy about it. I feel bad. Okay? It's not like I don't. I feel bad. I'm concerned. I value what Joel did I, f- I feel Joel was really intrinsic to our identity and the quality that we presented in terms of our image at that point, okay? So uh, my wife shows up um, with my son, Fox, and I, I, first of all, if you know me, nothing makes me light up like my children. Yeah. And Fox sees me, and he's just so excited to see me, and I grab Fox, and I'm holding him, and I'm smiling, and then they wheel in the nacho bar, which again makes me smile <laughs> even more, and Joel... Joel and all of his uh, persnickety, crotchless, <laughs> panty, bitch, fucking face shit ever, like, goes, well, I'm really glad that you could be happy. And I'm like, okay, look, I haven't seen my kid all day. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. concerned about your situation. And he just starts going, fuck this. Fuck this. Just, you know, and he's just cursing at me. But he's also cursing at me and being aggressive while I'm holding a child. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, you know, man, I, I'm like, I'm at my boiling point and I've been trying to work this out and I have no doubt that I could have wor- worked it out. And he, and he says, he says, fuck you to me. And so I say, you know, what, man, fuck you. And he drops his shit and goes, let's go, motherfucker. And just the goof, <laughs> like the goofiest, like, I swear to God, I almost thought he might have been coked out of his head. But it's like, I also think that maybe he forgot that I'm like not, you know, I don't remember who got between us. Some people got between us. And I was holding Fox and I had to hand Fox off. And I was enraged because 
You just bowed up on me while I'm holding a fucking baby, you piece of shit? And I'll maintain that. Fuck you, you're a piece of shit, okay? You don't fucking bow up on someone who has a kid. If you wanted to go off and, like, skitter around on the ice and, and whatnot, I would have been happy to do that. Hell, you want to show up tomorrow on my lawn? I'll fucking break your ankle here. I don't give a shit, okay? I'm mad about it. I'm going to stay mad about it. That's the fucking business. But anyway, at this point, Joel makes his exit, goes and bitches about me to Jessica James... Whatever, you know. Um, I could say other things about Joel, but I don't think it's necessary. That's where my beef basically is. Yeah. He also did not get along with Brandon Stroud for a long time. Um, and I think he and I sort of bonded over that quite a bit. But at this point... I didn't really. I I basically it basically came out like I didn't really feel like I could trust him. Yeah. And I wasn't really. And I, I I even said, hey man, I'll talk to you about this at any point feasibly. But he was just he's he, he, he he's, was done. he's he's too fucking good for yeah. that. He's too fucking good to be just a decent dude. Yeah. He couldn't fucking he couldn't even make he couldn't even get closure. He just had to break up with me. <laughs> you know. Anyway. So yeah. I mean, this is the weird part where creative people in wrestling kind of this weird oil and vinegar or oil and water meeting point. Yeah. Because it's all like, it ain't salad dressing. You know, it <laughs> it's not a vinaigrette. Um, fucking, um, like wrestlers are used to how wrestling goes and it's fucking shoestring and it's as tight as it can fucking yeah. be. What creative people always, there's this weird chip on their shoulder about being slighted as far as compensation, because they have numb nuts that will be like, hey, will you draw this for me for free? And it's their talent. I get it. I, I empathize with it. Yeah. But they pick that vibe up from wrestling when we're like, no, this is the budget. Like, what can you do? Yeah. And then they feel slighted like we're sliding their art. Yeah. No, it's just no. like, that's what we're capable of being able to fucking make work. We want you to be part of this. We we want to put the best fucking promo I, pictures, and, I, and you know, and I do, I do believe that Joel had a lot of faith in the our ability, and yep. he had an affinity toward the company, which is, I think, why I was so offended. First of all, don't like being threatened. Second of all, I don't like being threatened when I'm holding my son. Uh, thirdly, he was there and supportive through the very inception of yep. what we do, and I just didn't understand that if he really loved this company as much as he claimed to he wouldn't have just made it about himself and to be frank with you um i will give the double his due warhol was a fucking great photographer what the fuck ever you yeah. know but it, but at the but at the end of the day it's not just about one person and a yeah. lot of the time man a lot of his shit where he was very aggressive about the proprietary nature of his photo photographs like i understood that but I, I also don't think he he went about it in the best way a lot of the time. It, you know, he, yeah, um, he he definitely um like he was in the right, but it definitely alienated us from other companies. Yeah, that he went after. But it's like it's like if I but we always had his back. Yeah, and this was the occasion where I felt like he could have had he could have been maybe a little bit more appreciative. Yeah, or just he, patient. He wasn't patient. He wasn't appreciative, and you know. Yeah. Still, I'm gonna say fuck you, Joel. Yeah. You know. And this is the part of the podcast where it's it's better if we can I can play like devil's advocate. Yeah. But like I've never been the guy that's like, like it's always Max has always um, been the one that's fighting for, you know, um, photographers for the the graphics design for that stuff that puts the 
the company to the I'm next level. I'm always trying to make sure that there's something there yeah. in the budget so. for everybody and that I get them as much as we can. And yeah. like this and I, we don't walk away with anything other than like a bleach high. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we were fucking like sweeping up yeah. and mopping and fucking, in this case, there's nothing to mop. So we're vacuuming. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that'll, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh no, we should have given him the rest of the room. Like, fucking Christ, they're literally giving their bodies to make this fucking show happen. Like, exactly. Fuck, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, get, I get nothing. I can't, I can't be like, well, Joe had a point here. He really didn't. Like, he, I'm, I'm extremely happy that he, I mean, he came in and basically donated his talent, which we could not afford. Right. Um, so thanks for that. But we all donate our time. We all yeah. we we all sacrifice to make this thing. Yeah, you know? I can't. I mean, it's not. I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not cracking open like Joel's balls to make an omelet yeah. so that I can get fed down the road. Okay. <laughs> There's shit. no. Here's the thing, right? When you look at a guy like Ricky Starks, for Ricky Starks, there is an ultimate payday. There's an ultimate goal. There is an end of the road. There's some place he wants to be. Yeah. A guy like me. Man, I'm not going to ever get a gig writing for television because of this company. Yeah. There's no payday for me other than seeing guys like Ricky succeed. Yep. So it's not like I'm over here in my mansion lighting <laughs> fucking cigars yeah. with like H-E-B coupons. Get the fuck out of my face, man. Well, I'm I mean, sorry. you could be if you wanted to. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I don't have a mansion. You know? <laughs> I mean, I got coupons. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's the fucking like... That's the funny thing. It's like there's enough shitty, shady fucking promoters out there. I don't know what they're scamming, but there are fucking like apparently scamming people that even when you're on the up and up and like all that you're doing is trying to fucking break even so you can still pay your rent and not fucking live off of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for a fucking month to the next show. Like you still get this shit where like you're just trying to pull one over on people and yeah. like, that becomes very tiresome. But I mean, yeah, it. it there is no pay like Vince ain't coming to buy the fucking video catalog boy. Like no. Like that was always like that was always what was pitched to me. Like keep a hold of your video catalog because you know it's like and we do, like don't get me wrong, but it's like, come on, man. That's not how this is gonna happen. Now. Paul Levesque ain't gonna go, hey kid, yeah. really dug the arc yeah. on that fucking, you know, yeah. ACH title run, brother. <laughs> What can you do for us? Yeah, I'm not going to no. get There's no fucking moment like no. that for me. So when Joel backs me up against the wall about this shit, it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know? And you fight me on this, but you don't want that job anyway. That job is miserable. But Yeah, I mean, but still, it would be nice to be asked, okay? <laughs> It'd be nice to be asked, you know? Everybody wants to go to the prom, Biss, even if they just want to stand in the corner and grumble about how fucking lame the prom is, okay? <laughs> anyway, so... Here we are. Joel has stormed out and is sitting on the fucking stage with his little fucking bag. Yeah. And he's bitching about me and is like, and he's not making eye contact. And I can tell he's just like crapping on, on me to, to Jessica. Um, and I'm just like, whatever, man, just get the fuck out of here as soon as you can. So you can not make this shit tense. This is already fucking stressful enough, you know? Um, was there anything else that we missed here? Uh, leading up to it. Um, New venue. Wrestle Circus yeah. arrives. <laughs> Joel has a meltdown. Yeah, Max challenges the photographer to uh, armed combat. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. 
Hey man, it's weird for that to be it. Hold on though, how many times have I really ever challenged anybody to armed armed combat? Well, never armed, um, physical combat. When only like when? How many times have I threatened to fight somebody? I don't. Never. There you go. Never physically. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Anyway, I mean you've you've had your like heated confrontations, but like actually at this point they're pretty much to an like once you had Fox. Like, you didn't even really get into heated confrontations with people. No, like I was that. too tired. Yeah. <laughs> right, so. um, okay, so moving right along, you want to dive into the card? Yeah, um, let's uh, let's dive into it, man. Okay, so up first, we open the show with someone who is most hated at this point in a match against someone who is clearly, clearly beloved. Did I talk about how people walked out on her surprise return? Yeah, the, like, like three, yeah. three douchebags. Three douchebags yeah. walked. Yeah, so like you know, we we alienated a few people bringing yeah. her back, which I don't I don't really understand. But people, she Angelus was on fire. Yeah. At this point, people loved her, and so obviously you want to start off. We we really tried to craft this as a real banger of a card yeah. for the buck that we had. And we always start off all of our shows with something that is just on fire. And we thought we'd get something real pure. Uh, uh, Jojo is a huge advocate of women's wrestling. And so we knew that he would take this very seriously in treating Angelus just like a wrestler. uh, Spotlighting her abilities. Telling a good story. And just giving us a a, a killer match. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what this is right here. Um, Jojo comes out, like they still won't let him talk, talk like, yeah. Um, the booing is just ferocious. Yeah. One thing I want to touch on, the crowd is amazing. We jam packed this fucking hall. It's standing room only, which, you know, we are a company that basically drives towards standing room only. We can never fucking afford enough chairs to put the people that come to our shows in, which is a good thing. Um, and it looks awesome on, on camera. So, uh, just want to touch on that real quick, but yeah, Jojo and, and Angelus, I don't have a, a ton more to say other than, you know, Jojo's phenomenal here. <clears throat> it, is, it is, is what over. pro wrestling is in yeah. my opinion. It is like, it's, it's your, it's your heel that people fucking want to see die. And it's your baby that everybody loves. Yeah. Uh, storyline wise, we have some cool moments here. Uh, we have, um, Roxy storm out of the ring when Angelus comes out, it's just true. And Angelus, um, and then we also, we have some interaction with the, uh, with Doom afterwards. Yeah. Um. So we're we're planting those seeds that that Doom's not super happy about her being. She's part not. Of yeah. She's unhappy with Chris for bringing in her uh, blood rival, even though they had that bury the hatchet moment, uh, with their blow off yeah. match. There's still there's still some, uh, some some wariness on Doom's part, uh, character wise. Um. After that, we bring in. Gregory Simons, namaste as I want to be, the man who pretty much was modeled after New Age Austin, uh, (laughs) hippy-dippy types. He's keeping it weird, and he's going after Cherry Ramones here. And uh, this was a great match. Of course, Greg is still over. People are still chanting namaste. This this gimmick really, really has legs, and I really think we could have done a lot with Greg. But unfortunately, this match, while great, uh, kind of runs aground. Uh, they get through it, I believe. 
It's extremely physical. Yeah. It is extremely All of physical. All matches are yeah. very, very physical. There's, Cher- Cher- and Cherry looks phenomenal. Yeah. You, there's, there's no... You can't really tell, but physically... Like, Greg's wrestling this like he hasn't been off for a while. Mm-hmm. He's just right back into it. Um, and we'll pull the curtain back here. Um, this had a huge toll on Greg. Uh, Greg was in very bad shape after this match. Uh, His leg, I believe he injured, correct? He yeah, I think it, it would think it was a contu- like a basically a, a very deep bruising of the the quad. His, like, his leg turned fucking black he, and there was clotting, I believe, and there was actually a, a point in time where they thought that they were going to have to amputate his leg. Yeah. Um so when I say like bruising, I don't mean like Hey, he had a little black and blue mark. No. I mean, like his entire leg. He almost know. lost his leg. Yeah. And at that point, it became very clear that Greg really couldn't do what he used to do. They talked about the dangers, I believe, uh, yeah. of him sustaining further injury if he continued to wrestle. And um, that was really disappointing to me because I thought that this character uh, had a lot of fire to him. Yeah. I think I think the crowd really connected with it. It was a lot of fun for folks and. Uh, even though that the, the, you know this is this was his final match in Inspire Pro, I still wanted to find something to do with Greg that where we could keep him around because he's just such a ray of fucking light. Yeah, you know he's he's a great guy to have around. He's very yeah. supportive. And um, yeah, just talk about a guy that didn't have like a first, second, or third gear, just straight into like top gear. Right? Yeah, like just couldn't couldn't coast at all. You know. Um, um, sadly, like I think that's what led to this situation. But like, I mean, there's something admirable about that too. That if you got Greg Simons, you were getting full Greg Simons. Yeah. You know? Um, little little piece here. Uh, um, Nigel is still with us here. Uh, Cherry ends up uh, slapping Nigel and leaving the Ni- uh, the Rabbit Empire after this. Um, the, I, this is the last time we see Nigel. I forgotten he was part of these red oak shows but it's a very small thing and that's yeah. the last that we see of nigel <clears throat> so yeah that's uh one of the more physical the matches in the, the yeah. history of inspire yeah uh and also cherry really gets over for slapping nigel yes very important because now this sets up a confrontation with jojo and cherry which is going to lead into a match in the next show yeah um as jojo goes on an incredible run at the red oak yes okay as does cherry in yeah, fact yeah both there there are some there, cherry has uh some really fine moments coming up that i think really catapult him into a different light yeah um in about in about two weeks you will talk about um maybe the most important cherry Rowan's match in inspire so yeah absolutely there's a little teaser for that so what we have next is the submission squad uh issuing an open challenge and they're supposed to have barrett brown with them I think this was we started to get into the dates where Barrett was unable to, to make shows. He was doing, I believe, was he was he holding an NWA title? I think at he was this the point? NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion at this yeah. point. So um, was that the belt that Craig Classic held? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Never lost. Yes. Never lost. Um, what happened to Craig Classic? He just fell off the face of the earth, man. Craig was great. Yeah. You you had uh, frequent conversations with him, correct? Yes. Yeah, I did as well. I loved him. Um, uh, he was a good friend of um, Masada's. Yeah. Well, so. anyway, so anyway, yeah. Uh, uh, this is where. <laughs> um, this is where Submission Squad really shine. 
uh, for 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 uh, a reason that is non wrestling related. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're you know we had this angle where uh, the submission squad were were basically browbeating uh, Barrett Barrett into becoming this gristled vet. They they they'd taken this guy who's straight edge and made him a drinker, made him bitter, made him a guy that's haggling over his rates. I think I think like all the backstage stuff, the vignettes were hilarious yeah. if you can find them still. I don't know where they are. Yeah, um, that pisses me off a little bit. We got to find those, but those vignettes were great and he and it, it it was funny stuff, but then it became clear that uh Barrett was really spreading his wings and doing different stuff. And so they're going into this match with uh, Bolt Brady and El Fantastico, which was a tag team that I thought really had legs. Yeah, two. We took two phenomenal athletes and put them together. Yeah, I thought this was this was this was one for the kids, as they say. <laughs> um, you know, Bolt Bolt just you know he comes out and he has that high energy that just sets the crowd on fire, and and he can do impressive stuff in the ring because he's he's a he's a genetic freak. And then you have El Fantastico that, who can do, you know, the more spotty lucha spots, which, you know, pe- people love up front. That's people, people who don't see value in that are, um, are really short-sighted in my opinion. Yeah. Because you always have guys like that who do what they do. That brings in a new fan base. People, yeah. people who are not as refined or a lot of wrestling fans don't start out as refined in terms of what they expect out of a good match. But guys like El Fantastico doing what he does, that really does bring in an audience that that you know that that otherwise may not know what else wrestling has to offer. Yeah. So this was a really important team. It didn't necessarily go where I wanted it to, but uh, I I thought on paper it sounded great. So um, anyway. I don't remember exactly what was supposed to happen in this match. I think it was actually supposed to be a trios match. Okay. And I don't and remember. Barrett was involved in. Yeah, Barrett, Barrett was involved. There was probably going to be something really f- uh, uh, fluky with it. And uh, uh, Barrett would, would have obviously been on the side of the submission squad. So what's what's really amazing is that at this point, uh, Pierre's walking around with this Bible. Uh, uh, and it's a it's a Bible. It's like the it's, I think it just says the rules the on rules. it. That's it's all a, it says. Yeah. It's, it's any and it's been in the promos and it's basically about what you need to do to succeed in the business. Okay, and he steps in to the ring and he begins to talk about the rules and he talks about how Barrett Brown didn't follow the rules and do you know what happened to Barrett Brown because he didn't follow the rules? He fucking died. <laughs> They basically, out of nowhere, without even consulting <laughs> us, tell us that Barrett Brown is dead, and I, and the crowd just kind of like looks around at each other and they, they just start laughing. They laugh, yeah, yeah. which is the weirdest weirdest reaction. response. <laughs> like, I think I think even a few people came up and said, "Barrett's not really dead, is he?" I'm like, "No, man, he's not dead." I'm like, what was that about? And I said, "I don't fucking have a clue." Yeah. But in my back of my head, I'm like, "Okay, so they just killed Barrett." I've got to do something. I've got to do something with <laughs> yeah. this. And the wheels start turning for, I think, what is some of the most bizarre shit uh, we host later on. This is, this is really the, yeah. this is, this is, this is the flower that, that, that bears uh, the sweetest, sweetest fruit. Yeah. Um, and it, I'm sure Biss hated every moment of it. Um, but yeah, this was, this was a fun match. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was your two athletic, uh, baby faces, like quite frankly, you know, fresh baby face. Well, 
Not if you're wearing a mask, I guess, but you get the idea. Against these just heels that just, you know, may or may not have been involved in the death of a young up-and-coming wrestler. Yeah, yeah. and if you've never seen the squad, um, they can really... They can really wrangle you in, man. Uh, I think I think at this point too, they were doing uh, a lot of stuff in Jakara. Yeah, this was uh, shortly after the the submission squad project submission squad type stuff, so they were riding that wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this was a fun match. Uh, great, 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 uh, great side dish on this yeah. on this very packed plate. Um, and next we come to uh, a. A four-way elimination match for the Fungressional Medal of Honor. Yep. Some, something we're kind of revisiting here, right? Yeah, so the, the Fungressional cool. Medal of Honor was uh, was vacated. Um, I don't know why it was vacated. I don't remember. The Hollywood Strangler uh, cleaned up his life. He got married, had a kid. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Hollywood Strangler had won the Fungressional Medal of Honor at yeah. Fun 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 Fest in the, uh, what was supposed to be an annual battle royal for the, the medal. And if you have the medal, basically what you get to do is you get to challenge for, uh, you get to challenge for a title of your choosing yeah. at any point in time, basically. Um, but you have to name it. It's not like a briefcase. Yeah. You don't just get to run out and go, I challenge you. You have to like, you have to set it up. So anyway, we have uh, we have Lance Hoyt, Matthew Palmer, and Steve Arino, as well as Terrell Tempo. So this was a really exciting pack yeah. match, and it is fucking insane. I remember yeah. it being insane. Um, the, there's a lot of behind the scenes um, things that add to this being so great. You have uh, Hoyt, who was just uh, a boon for us to be able to have. You know, involved in the show. Great, great presence. Who helped train Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> so they very rarely wrestled. I mean, so we had them involved in quite a few things. Um, and once you put them together, you get you get the absolute best out of Palmer. And then Hoyt ratches it up a little bit, too. Uh, and Tem- then, and Tempo's then, on fire. Yeah, Tempo's on fire here. But also, this is really fun because we get to revisit a little bit of... Uh, storyline stuff that happened at fun 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 where steve-o had actually previously defeated tempo by throwing dirt in his face and that was kind of at the start of steve-o starting to show some darker edges to his character and so tempo is really gunning for steve-o because he wants he wants to kind of get retribution for what occurred at fun 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 uh there's just a lot of moving parts and of course another storyline thing is that steve-o attacked Andy Dalton, Matthew's friend, at the last event when Andy won the uh, the, the, the J-Crown. And Andy, at this point, is off in uh, Noah in Japan. Yep. That's why he's not on the card. But it kind of, like, Steve left him lying on, on the mat, so, and kind of, you know, he makes his exit. And, of course, Palmer ran to his friend's aid. Steve-O cut a promo on Matt, basically telling him that he'd kind of gotten lazy and 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 had kind of compromised his principles since his wife had gone off and joined the Fed, yeah. and uh, it 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 creates some some heat between them. So there are a lot of intersecting storylines and things going on here. And Stevo is obviously the least popular character technically in the ring, but there's a lot of great great storyline stuff going on, and this really starts like kicks off part of a really great arc yeah. uh, for for these for Palmer. Tempo and Steve-O. And I think we're going to stop here because on the card, this was actually our point of intermission and we're at the hour mark, but we're going to be back next week with the second part of 
the forever card <laughs> and uh, more more going into this this red oak ballroom nonsense as, as you will you will find out became a massive <laughs> fiasco um, and I think this is also like coming up man this gets real mad there's some good shit coming up but anyway yeah. we'll see we'll see you back here next I'm week grab some popcorn and Mike and Ike's. yes sir <laughs>